We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We got a fun one for you today. Uh, we're going to get over a lot of stuff, obviously cover the upcoming game against the Patriots. We're going to do our Patreon Q&A, and then we're going to get in some, into some head coaching candidates that Alex and I each like and dislike. Um, so it's going to be a fun one, jam-packed episode for you guys, and uh, looking forward to get it out to you. So Alex, uh, how are you doing today, man? Uh, doing pretty good. I, I see the Woj bombs are going off early today, so... <laughs> yeah. so should be fun with the nba season in swing and football season so should be a fun december it's gonna be crazy man like college basketball has started i'm not super into college basketball because overall the product just kind of sucks but <laughs> you know there's a lot of sports going on right now and uh i tried really hard last night to turn on uh the kentucky and uh i want to say kansas game but Dickie V was calling the game, and I just I, I couldn't do it. Uh, I couldn't sit through that. Him and Bill Walton are just uh, they're just terrible to listen to, man. I like Bill Walton, but I don't think you can have Bill Walton and Dickie V on the same broadcast. That's just, it's it's, just, it's too much old man energy. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just a bunch of nonsense. And, and Dickie V just yells the whole time. And, and Bill Walton just talks about like the scenery of the, of whatever game he's at. Like it's, it's a weird setup for me. I, I just can't get into college basketball until March madness hits around. And, and, you know, obviously that, that didn't happen this year. So, um, but yeah, let's get into some news, uh, news and notes for the chargers. I think the biggest thing today, um, is we kind of suspected this, but Melvin Ingram is officially out for the season. Um, just really unfortunate that he was never really able to get over his knee injury and, and was never really able himself. He was hurt in the training camp and, and, you know, not, not really able to practice. And then, you know, the contract situation. So it, it's been a tough year for Melvin Ingram. And, you know, it's just unfortunate because the team still really needs his leadership and energy. Um, you know, he's had no sacks. He's had, you know, become a very inefficient pass rusher. So, um, it's just unfortunate, you know. He's one of my favorite Chargers with the, with the, just the energy that he plays with. But uh, what do you think this means for Melvin Ingram long term? Uh, long term, I don't know. I mean, there was kind of like an idea that if Melvin Ingram had a really great year, um, you know, put up the sacks he did in the last couple years, right? That you know he would kind of price himself out of the Chargers to some degree. Um, just because there would be some team that would give him some $20 million offer, <laughs> right? Um, you know, right. And, and they just, you know, unloaded the truck for Joey Bosa. So you're probably not keeping both of them. But now it's, it's an uncertain free agent market um, for Melvin Ingram because I think, you know, you have the pandemic in general that's probably going to cut the cap by at least 20, 25 million. So teams are going to have less money to play around with. And you have a down year for Melvin Ingram where he has a knee injury and now he's in his 30s, right? So all those things put together and you get a pretty decreased market. So while I don't think he would be back with the Chargers, I don't think his price would be crazy to the point where there's no chance he's back with the Chargers. Um, You know, there could be a a one-year short-term kind of prove it deal uh, for when there's maybe more money yeah. in the market in 2020, uh, 2022. That's always a possibility. Um, I just think it's, it's gotten more complicated now. I would guess if I had to, that he probably won't be back, but I think the price uh, in his market now is such that the chargers could probably find a way to get him back if they wanted to. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. I, I think it is possible to, to bring him back. I just think, you know, my, my reservations coming into this year about him is that, you know, we were kind of at a crossroads where we needed to see more of Uchenna and Wosu to kind of figure out if, if there is something there or not. And he played well while Melvin Ingram was out, but in the games that Ingram has played, you know, and Wosu has barely seen the field at all. So I'm okay with bringing him back if it's cheap, like you mentioned. Um, but definitely he needs to be in more of a reserve role. And we really need to see what the chargers have in, in Uchenna and Wosu. But you know, then again, it wouldn't be surprised me given where they are in the draft right now. You know, the value of offensive linemen at the fifth spot is just not there. So, you know, unless they trade back, it really, I think it's going to be uh, a corner or an edge rusher in the first round. Um, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. They're definitely going to be a lot of fun conversations there. In other Chargers news, they did sign a punter to the practice squad. I know it's, it's you know, not like super noteworthy, but... Um, Ty Long was listed on the injury report with a hip injury. Um, he, I remember he hurt that a few weeks ago on against, um, I want to say the jets when they blocked their punt, he got up kind of slow. 
Um, so the punter they signed is Lachlan Edwards. He's an Aussie punter, former seventh round draft pick of the Jets in 2016. And he actually led the league last year in NFL punting average yardage. Uh, so he's he's got some leg to him. And, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that kind of works out. Because, you know, we've seen the Chargers kind of do this route before where the specialists are kind of struggling. You bring someone else in and then, you know, maybe you don't bring back Ty Long next year. Maybe you kind of roll with this uh, Lachlan Edwards guy. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. And we saw this really in, uh, was it 2018 with both uh, Badgley and Long, I think, maybe that year? Because Kayser, Kayser got cut um, at some point, and then the Chargers brought in Badgley. So they, I think, both finished that year, and then um, they've been with the Chargers, I think, ever since. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, if you, you know, Lachlan Edwards uh, balls out while Ty Long can't play, that would definitely affect uh, how the future is going forward. Plus, you know, Ty Long has had some issues with, uh, you know, the shank punt against Buffalo. And, you know, sometimes he holds on a little bit too long to his punts. Uh, granted, it's not like the blocking is helping him at all. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm not terribly surprised he's injured, unfortunately, because it feels like every game the Chargers put him on his backside somehow, um, which is just how this year has gone. But, um, no, yeah. I definitely think Lachlan Edwards could be... Uh, a potential 2021 maybe sleeper punter right if he has good uh, last four or five games with the chargers so we'll have to see how that develops um i just thought it was interesting that a couple weeks was it last week uh during uh, kind of thanksgiving actually i think they that uh you know report that they worked out i believe four specialists a long snapper a kicker a punter um you know, so they're been, they've been looking to beef up the special teams a little bit, and you know maybe Ty Long's injury, unfortunately for him, uh, is kind of the way to start doing that. And then you know you see how Badgley and Massa and, and some of those other guys uh, progress in these final five games. Yeah, so we we heard about that workout, this four specialist workout, um, a week ago, and Lachlan was on there. So you know that's an interesting signing, I guess. You know. I think every single year teams should bring in competition for kickers and punters. I, I thought it was dumb that they didn't do that this year. Um, you know, you look at a team like the Ravens, the Chiefs, who have traditionally very well run special teams units, and they always bring in competition for, you know, their established kickers. That's how that they that's how the Chiefs got um shoot, what's his name? The kicker. Oh my Butker? gosh, I'm totally blanking right now. Butker, thank you. Yeah, because they had Cairo Santos. They brought Harrison Butker in for a competition, signed him the practice squad, and then Cairo Santos kind of was struggling, and so they put Butker in. So I just think, you know, it's always good to bring in competition, and uh, if Lachlan Edwards can bring that to this team, you know, why not? I know Ty Long's a captain, and uh, he, had a, he had a really good offseason from what we heard, and, you know, we got to interview him, but, you know, I'm, no one is is irreplaceable, so bringing in competition, I think, is, is always helpful. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean... I, it's kind of a hindsight is 2020 thing when talking about the special teams unit this year. Cause it's like, I don't know. I mean, right. I felt pretty comfortable going in that Ty Long and Badgley would be uh, a good unit. And it just didn't turn out that way. Cause Badgley uh, regressed quite a bit and Ty Long, you know, has been not quite as good as he was last year. And I, I think also the blocking hasn't helped him. So it's, um, 
you know, it's just unfortunate. But yeah, I definitely think starting at the end of this year, you know, if you kind of want to have a little bit of a pre-offseason tryouts kind of because the team is is it a three yeah. point right uh, I, I don't think that that's a bad idea yeah definitely not so let's get to the injury reports um the report today that we are recording this on wednesday obviously um I, it seems like this was a lot of like veteran day off situation going on um you know joey bosa didn't practice mike williams didn't practice trey turner didn't practice um, I think most of those guys will play. Chris Harris was another one. Um, really, I think the biggest question marks are Casey Hayward, who did not practice with his groin injury. And then Uchenna Unwosu was limited in practice. Last week, he was I'm pretty sure he was listed with a shoulder injury. That's the one that was reported. And then today, he was listed with a chest injury. Uh, so I don't really know what's going on there. Uh, apparently this AC joint sprain is just something that you can, if you can tolerate the pain, you can pay, you can play through it. So, um, I think Uchenna Unwosa probably misses this game and then comes back the next game. But I think that him and Casey Hayward, I think are probably the two, the two big ones on the injury report. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably Casey Hayward, uh, Uchenna Unwosu and then Ty Long. I think those are the three where you look at them yeah. and there's, Good chance that they're not playing next game. Uh, Balage, I guess, is possible. It, it, we'll we'll figure out a lot of these DNPs on Thursday and Friday. You know whether they're actual yeah. DNPs or whether it's just uh, kind of a veteran day off situation. I know Denzel Perriman had back injury, but the X-rays turned out negative for that, so it looks like he'll play. Uh, versus New England, and he'll be really important because uh, they, they need to try to stop the yes. run game somehow, uh, even though it hasn't really worked all season. Um, but, yeah, no, yeah. They, they definitely need, uh, if they're going to have any chance of beating the Patriots, you, you know, you need some of these DNPs to turn to limiteds and full participants. So uh, I, I think that'll change as the uh, uh, week progresses. With Balaga, that's the biggest one because he's still limited in practice with that stomach illness uh, that he had, which I'm like, what the hell stomach illness is this that's keeping him out this long? Um, but, yeah, I, I guess... Probably had some bad sushi over, over there in Buffalo, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, he had bad something in Buffalo. Uh, yeah. Really <laughs> got to his system, so um, hopefully he's good and can play on Sunday because they really need him to. Um Drake Pippins yes. hasn't hasn't been that guy this year. Uh, not ready yet. Don't know if he'll ever be ready. But uh, right now, it just isn't a good situation for Balaga. It's been and it's been unfortunate, man. And you know, I've been talking with fans, you know, uh, and our listeners, and it's like, well, the Chargers just, you know, they messed the whole situation up. And it's like, you know, Balaga's played through some a lot of stuff, man. You know, he played, played through a back injury, played through a knee injury. You know, to me, Brian Balaga can still return value to this team. And he he was relatively cheap, right? And they have a team option after 2021. And, yeah, I'm fairly confident that he'll play way more games than he did this year next season for this team. And, you know, if he plays 13, 14 games next year uh, and, and does the same thing in 2022, like, I'm happy with that. And I think Brian Balaga can still return value to this team and we'll get to what the off season holds later on. But I'm, I'm fairly confident that Brian Balaga was, was still a good signing. Just unfortunately was, was off to a slow start this year. Um, 
So then the other one that was brought up today by in the press conference was Kaiser White. Uh, he still is on the COVID list. Um, apparently that just kind of depends how they're feeling and, and how they're working back into things. He did practice today in a limited fashion, uh, not obviously lift, listed on the injury report because he is on the COVID list. Uh, if they were able to get him back this week, I think that is another huge one because like you mentioned, you know, we'll get into our keys to the game, but uh, having as many healthy linebackers against the Patriots is definitely going to be a key thing this week. Yeah, it's going to be a big thing this week because they just got gashed uh, by the Bills once Perriman went down. and They didn't have White going into that game. So, you know, it was uh, Kenneth Murray and BJ Bello and <laughs> Malik Jefferson yeah. uh, all trying to stop the Bills rushing game. And, uh, you know, luckily the the pass uh, and secondary shut the passing game down, but it, it really didn't matter because the Bills just could, you know, control the clock, control that tempo, you know, when, when you allow them to get close to 200 yards. That's just what's going to happen. Um, I, I think they'll be better against the run this week because I don't think New England's... I mean, New England's running game is potent, but they're also coming into this game with a Newton uh, who's been struggling. So I don't know if you could do a lot of that, you know, uh, open up the pass game to open up the run stuff if you're New England because they don't really have that aerial part of their game. Uh, unlike the Bills, maybe, where Josh Allen throws a good deep ball uh, or two per game. So I think that could definitely help uh, help the Chargers if they get Kaiser White, Denzel Perriman back. Because um, I, I just don't think you can have Kenneth Murray as the lead uh, linebacker against the run with you know all these kind of practice squad uh, linebackers that yeah. they currently have yeah so I think you're you're spot on right there with the defense I think that is the number one key uh, so I'm just looking at their their stats right now um, so in their losses um, which they have uh, five of them there are four they're four and five so they lost to the Seahawks in that game. They had 67 rush yards. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in that game. They had 185 rushing yards. Granted, that game was kind of a mess because of the quarterback situation. Um, against the Broncos, they lost there. They had 117 rush yards. They lost to the 49ers, had 94 rush yards. They lost to the Bills, had 180 rushing yards. They lost to the Texans and had 86 rushing yards. So all the teams that have been able to keep them you know, under 200 yards rushing have been very successful against them. And so uh, to me, you know, the Patriots there, they go as their running game goes, you know, they're fifth in, in the league in rushing yards per game with 149 yards per game. They're ninth in yards per carry. They have three or four running backs that they'll use. Obviously Damien Harris, uh, Rex Burkhead is now out, but they have stayed still have James White. Sony Michelle is back. So, you know, obviously Cam Newton can run the ball a lot. So, Honestly, if I were coaching against the Patriots, I would stack nine people in the box and and kind of just dare Cam Newton to throw the ball. And so I know Gus is not going to do that, but maybe we see a lot of base package this this week with three linebackers. I, I would hope that would be the case. Um, but this this run defense has to be much, much better than they were the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely – I mean, the run defense just has to be better. I mean – for the last five games, the Chargers have given up 100 yards or, or more. Uh, and the one game that they didn't give up 100 yards, they gave up 96 yards to LaMichael P. Ryan and Frank Gore <laughs> on, on the Jets. Yeah. So it's yeah. been a really str big struggle for the last month and a half with this run defense in particular. 
I, I don't know if it'll be better. Uh, I, I do think they'll get a little bit of a boost from playing at home. Um, not that there's really home field advantage, but just it's kind of better to play here um, than it is on the road for them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think they'll play better against the run just because there isn't, you know, unlike in the previous games, at least, you know, Flacco or Josh Allen, while they're not, you know, precise deep ball passers, they can definitely uh, open up the passing game a little bit, uh, at least. to. Open yeah, there's the a run. threat there for sure. Right. There's definitely a threat. And Cam Newton just hasn't been able to get that ball downfield um, as efficiently as Cam Newton used to do it. Right. And not that Cam Newton did it great before in his career, but, you know, earlier in his career, he also had the athleticism to make up for it. Whereas now, you know, he's kind of in his 30s and, you know, it has to be there has to be more of a reliance on the passing game for him. But he just doesn't have it because of the shoulder injuries and and everything that's happened in his career. Um, So, yeah, no, I definitely think this is a game where you want to bring eight, nine guys in the box uh, and, you know, just dare to the Patriots to throw to some extent. Uh, you know, if you can kind of eliminate the running game, I don't know if they can do that <laughs> because, you right. know, the other problem is on the offensive line. If you don't have Uchenna and Wosu, if you don't have Melvin Ingram and it's another Jerry Tillery uh, LEO game, uh, I don't love that <laughs> because Jerry Tillery has been a really bad run defender and the yeah. you know right edge is, is really important to set. Um, and if you can't do that, then teams are just going to do what the Raiders did. Uh, teams are just going to do you know what the Bills did last week and just you know run yep. outside and <laughs> you know that it's kind of game at that point uh, when it comes to stopping the run. So. They definitely need to set the edge better uh, opposite Bosa with uh, either Tillery or Nwosu. We'll see if he plays. Um, interior line needs to be a little bit better, but honestly, Justin Jones and Linval Joseph have been playing relatively well. The real weakness is the edge uh, opposite Bosa and then obviously the interior, uh, you know, kind of second level linebackers. Yeah, I think that is a fair spot. And, you know, we were kind of talking today in our in our group chat about, you know, just what, what's going on with Jerry Tillery, man. And and it's just been very inefficient. You know, the boneheaded penalties are not helping. Um, it, it, he's not great against the run. And I understand, you know, he's taking time to develop. He's now switched positions. Like, it, it just is – it's not really working out to, to their advantage right now. And so, to me, like – you know, give me Isaac Rochelle on primary rundowns. I think he does a, a much better job setting the edge. And, and in this game, that's going to be the important factor. And, and you can still give Jerry, you know, 40, 50 snaps and, and have it mostly be on passing down situations. Granted this week, I don't know how many pass obvious passing situations there are going to be, but I just think Isaac Rochelle, I think he does a much better job of setting the edge. And I think if they're really, if, I granted, I don't really know how into winning they are right now, but <laughs> if they if they want to win this week, man, I, I think Jerry Tillery's got to kind of take a back seat this week. Yeah, I, I think he probably just has to go to the interior and probably play behind uh, Justin Jones, probably on the depth chart. I, I think this is going to be a big Linval Joseph, Justin Jones kind of game. So uh, if Absolutely. you can't provide that, you know, run on the interior and you can't provide it on the edge. Uh, it just becomes a problem because 
the you know with the current state of linebackers they just can't stop the run uh if they have paramin and they have white in this game i think it gives them a little bit more leeway uh, whereas the right. post, you know last game they didn't you know they lost paramin halfway through didn't have white anyway um, so I, I, it really comes down to what's their depth at linebacker and can they afford to put Jerry Tillery at the edge? But honestly, after his performance last game, I, I'm just not feeling Jerry Tillery on the edge this year much at all. You know, maybe that's his long-term future there. Um, uh, but right now it's, it's, it's just not a good situation for him if he can't stop the run, uh, as effectively as the chargers need him to. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. And you know, to his to be fair to him, he has not had a, a full offseason yet in his career. Obviously, he had the injury situation and then COVID this year. So I'm really hoping that, you know, a full offseason next year does him well. And I think, you know, him and Nasir Adderley have been really like the two guys that have been impacted most by COVID just because, you know, we haven't had the chance of them really developing. And, you know, I think Tillery, obviously, his future is a little, little more secure than Adderley's is because of Rayshon Jenkins and Derwin James. But, Again, that's another offseason topic. So let's get to the offensive keys. To me, you know, this this whole situation of the game plan has been so frustrating because, you know, they, they played the Dolphins, and that's obviously the New England scheme, very blitz-heavy, lots of, lots of moving parts, and so they leaned into the run game. And then this past week, you know, they leaned into – Kind of a quick passing game, but not really against the Bills. Who all? Oh, that's another very uh, scheme, very similar to the New England scheme. So to me, I think offensively, I want to see like twelve or fifteen bootlegs. You know, get Justin Herbert out on the move, get him some easy throws, get some easy completions, take some pressure off of him and the offensive line. Which even if Brian Balaga is back, like I, I just think bootlegs are so helpful to your team and your offense. And especially when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who can do so many things with his leg, with his legs, excuse me. And he's so accurate on the run that I, I just really want to see them use that tool and use his legs and let him be able to show off that athleticism that really kind of was the point of drafting him is being able to be, have mobility at quarterback and, and do all these different things and have all these off platform throws, but we just haven't been seeing it. Like they ran two bootlegs on, on Sunday against the bills and both of them were completed for, you know, passes that went for six or seven yards, I think. So I think w- the chargers need to start using Justin Herbert's legs more often. If they're, if they want to get some positive momentum going into next season, I think that is like a big key for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think the reality is if Justin Herbert's going to throw 49 or 50 times a game yeah. <laughs> uh, because the run game can't get it done, now they you know they do have Eckler back, so that will make a difference, and presumably they get Balazs back this week. Um, so if you have those two guys, I think the situation is a little bit better for the running game, but uh, the reality is if you're going to have Herbert throw 40 to 50 times a game now, you, you just have to do some play action. You have to do some bootleg. You have to do something, uh, I think, that kind of gets him out of just dropping back into the pocket because, you know, <laughs> kind of especially if Balaga isn't playing, but honestly, if he is with the state of the line, you just can't, you know, afford to drop back 50 times and just throw the ball right. know, like they want to. So that's um, just kind of a huge issue. So... 
Yeah, I definitely want to see Herbert run it more. And earlier in the year, there was that kind of um, creativity. I forget which game it was that Herbert had that like 30-yard run, um, and it kind of looked like they were doing some things uh, there. I don't remember which game that was. Uh, which one was that where he had that? He had a big run, run against. Yeah, he had a big run against the Broncos. Um, and I then think a, it, against the Raiders too. Yeah, I, I think it was the Broncos game that I'm thinking of that he, you know, they kind of let him loose in that one. Uh, and obviously they built up that big lead and then lost it. But <laughs> um, I, yeah. I think that that's kind of the key to letting Herbert play confidently is just um, kind of getting him into situations where he's on the run and can make some kind of play. Even against the Jets on that Keenan Allen touchdown, you know, he kind of rolls out uh, to the side and then hits Keenan Allen with that pass. Uh, in the end zone, you know, that was a very pretty play. Uh, so I think it's really just stuff like that to a certain point. Yeah, it is. And you you mentioned the run game. I think, you know, I, Anthony Lynn said today that he, he wants the team to be like a top 10 rushing team. And right now I think they're at 12 in yards per game. But, you know, that's really inflated because of their performance in Denver where they rushed for 217 yards or whatever it was. But they're twenty eighth in yards per carry, and a lot of that is because Austin Eckler is is has been gone. But this run game is just so inefficient, and so I I just think that this offense needs to make things easier for themselves and stop you know putting themselves in, in third and long situations. And like I mentioned, you know, let Justin do some things with his legs, open up the running game a little bit more, and, and we'll see what they do against the the secondary because this secondary for this for Patriots team is is so good and. You know, I, I someone besides Keenan Allen has to do something because I think you know Bill Belichick has been so known for taking away a team's number one option, and I expect Keenan Allen to be getting double teamed like every single play. Yeah, I mean, we saw in that playoff game a couple of years ago, Keenan Allen had that big touchdown in the beginning, and then Bill Belichick was like, "Hmm, that shit isn't happening ever again." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically what we saw. That yeah, like, the pretty much to shut down the whole offense for the rest of the game. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely think he'll be keyed in on Keenan Allen. Um, I think he'll be keyed in to some extent on Mike Williams, uh, just because Patriots, uh, don't tend to give up the deep ball or like some big aerial play. So I think those two will be their focus. So this might be kind of another heavy Hunter Henry game. Uh, I could see that because I think attacking the Patriots linebackers might be better than picking on their secondary. Um, But their linebackers are well coached uh, by Gerard Mayo, you know, so uh, they're, they're well coached team. I think Uh, in, in terms of their defense, well, we'll see our, our old friend, Adrian Phillips again. Uh, So (laughs) that'll be fun. Uh, But um, I don't know. I mean, that's a really tough secondary to play against. This will be a nice, test for Justin Herbert. Uh, I think, you know, obviously last game was kind of a test against that Bill secondary, but I think the Patriots secondary with Gilmore and all those guys is kind of that to an even higher level. Um, So I'll be curious to see how Herbert um, just quickly makes his reads this game and and gets the ball out uh, to, you know, whoever's open, right? Because if you're double-teaming Keenan Allen, someone's always got to be open. Uh, or if you're double teaming anybody, like maybe they put a bigger focus on Eckler, uh, you know, how quickly can Justin Herbert find that open man? Yeah, I think that's a good call. And this, this, you know, another good week for Justin Herbert to, 
to learn against, you know, one of the better defensive minds in the league. You know, he's had this stretch against the Dolphins and the Bills and, and now the Patriots where, you know, he's having all these good defenses and he, he's done well. I think, you know, against the Dolphins, he was kind of handicapped, but you know, I thought he played pretty well against the Bills. I think he was definitely a little rattled at times because, you know, he was under pressure on basically 50% of his dropbacks. So that's another thing, you know, the the Patriots do not have, you know, they don't have Jerry Hughes. They don't have Ed Oliver. Um, you know, they have a lot of like run stuffing guys and, and Chase Winovich is kind of their best pass rusher. So that'll be interesting to see if the offensive line is able to hold up better in pass protection this week, especially if Brian Blog is back. Um, but just like 50% pressure rating, like that's so bad and so unacceptable. And, you know, the offensive line, I just think, you got to play better, man. And, and at some point you just got to man up and, and say, you know what? I'm sick of just getting beat and I'm not going to let Chase Winovich beat me. And I'm not <laughs> going to let Lawrence guy, 37 year old Lawrence guy beat me. So, <laughs> you know, you got to keep Herbert clean and, and somehow, some way, whether it's more bootlegs or guys just stepping up, but Herbert cannot be pressured, you know, more than 20 times this week. Yeah. I would say uh, Steve Belichick is one of the greatest defensive minds of our time. Uh, and you know, going against him, uh, is, is really tough. And, uh, but you know, I, I think, I think really the key in this game for the chargers is going to be getting, getting separation. Cause it was kind of bad against Buffalo. I mean, they found Keenan Allen in some spots. They found Hunter Henry and Eckler, but nobody else was creating separation. Uh, the only other big catches in that game were the Hail Mary and the pass interference that got called back on Guyton. Um, so, you know, it, it was just, it's really tough for guys like Guyton and Johnson, I think, to consistently get separation unless they beat a guy with speed. So I'd like to see a little bit more route running prowess and separation from those two, uh, as well as other guys on the team. Um, you know, even Mike Williams, I think has some trouble, you know, separating where sometimes he relies on his athleticism to separate a little too much instead of creating that himself, uh, to some extent. So I'll, I'll be curious to see in this game, how guys decide to, uh, get open for Herbert or if they do, because <laughs> it was a little rough last game. It was. And I think that's part of the reason why he's kind of been so focused in on Keenan Allen is just. You know, you never really know what you're going to get with Jalen Guyton and Mike Williams and, and those guys. So that'll be definitely something to keep an eye on this week. So I, I saw this line and I was like shocked, honestly. You know, the the Chargers are currently favored by one over the Patriots, which I just think is like, what is Vegas thinking? You know, Vegas is generally spot on with this kind of situation uh, and their betting line. So uh, let's get to our predictions, man. What are you What are you feeling for this game? You know, we always do a confidence meter in terms of winning. Uh, so let's do that, and then your your score prediction. Um, I, I think the Chargers could win this game. I don't think it's crazy that they would be a one point favorite. I mean, the game's in Los Angeles, so East Coast team traveling west. Uh, I don't think it's crazy for them to be a favorite, especially when the Patriots' offense is such a inconsistent kind of variable. Uh, you never know what kind of game Cam Newton's going to have. Uh, you don't know quite what game you're going to get out of the running uh, running backs uh, like White. Uh, are you going to get a 200-yard like, game from them? Or are you going to get a 50-yard game from them? That's <laughs> I mean, It kind of ranges for them this year. And so it really depends on what can they do with, with Newton. And I think in this offense, 
I think that's really tough, which is why I think the Chargers are a one-point favorite. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily crazy for it to be because they're basically saying on a neutral field, Patriots would be favored by two. Um, so I don't know. I I have a tough time picking the Chargers anymore. I mean, <laughs> I stopped picking them like three weeks ago, I feel like. I think this is a winnable game. Um, the, yeah, it absolutely Patriots, is. Yeah, the Patriots just... They do the smart stuff really well, right? They have really great special teams. Uh, they're really well coached. Uh, and we'll get to coaches in a minute. Uh, but those are the big differences when it comes to these two teams. And it's why Bill Belichick is like, you know, 24-0 uh, against the Chargers in his career. <laughs> um, so I feel like that's what this game comes down to. I'll say that the Patriots win... 24 to 23. I think it'll be a very close game, uh, but I think ultimately the Patriots have enough defense, and I think they have enough, uh, they're well-disciplined enough on special teams to kind of outlast the Chargers. Yeah, this matchup is really interesting because it's like polar opposites, right? You know, you have, you know, Justin Herbert, who's already thrown for 3,000 yards. He's got, you know, 23 passing touchdowns. Cam Newton can't throw it past 10 yards and, you know, they run the ball like crazy. And then the coaching aspect is just so different. And, you know, the special teams you mentioned, great on New England, terrible in, in Los Angeles. So this is a tough one to predict because the Chargers, I think, are clearly more talented. Um, you know, they they could easily win. You know, I tweeted this out and caught some slack for it. But, you know, realistically, the Chargers could honestly go 5-0, and but they could probably also go 0-5 down this stretch. So it's just tough to predict these games. I just think ultimately, you know, Bill Belichick is, is going to do what he always does. And Keenan Allen's probably going to have like two catches for 27 yards. And I just think it's going to be a tough, tough game for Justin Herbert to move the ball consistently without Keenan Allen. And um, I think I'm going to take the Patriots 20-17. to So I think it's going to be a tough Tough go for the Chargers offense, and I think you know they could certainly win again, but I just think this is a tough matchup for them overall. Yeah, I mean, this is just a really tough game in terms of how well-coached the Patriots are. Um, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for taking the Chargers. I think that this game yeah. could be like that, but as you said, they could go 0-5 or 5-0. and It wouldn't surprise me if they found a way to go 0-0-5, uh, <laughs> this team is just a, <laughs> a wild card um, yeah. at the moment. And uh, I guess we should talk about, you know, the Anthony Lynn comments of, like, telling this yeah. team that, you know, um, they're probably not going to contend for a playoff seed, uh, which is like, you know, on one hand, it's like you don't want them to say it, but it's like at this point, they're kind of playing for team pride and they're playing for their futures right in the NFL future contracts they're going to get. So, um, I mean, this is kind of what they're playing for at this point, uh, as well as pride, as I mentioned before. So I, I totally agree, man. I've always felt like that. And, you know, I, I know people still want to think that Panay Sewell is available, but I just don't see it. You know, the Bengals lost Joe Burrow. He was really their only hope of winning any games. So the chargers would have to, uh, you know, jump them if they want any chance of Panay Sewell. And, you know, that means that the Bengals would have to win a game. <laughs> so I, I just don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. And, and 
So I, I'm all for them winning some games, and and if, whether that's two and three down the stretch or three and two, just give me some wins and give me some momentum for next year. You know, like we mentioned, in terms of their draft needs, they need to rebuild this offensive line. And right now, there's no value besides Panay Sewell uh, in terms of offensive line in the top 10. So if they're at, sitting at four, I think that's probably the best case scenario in terms of rebuilding the offensive line because then you can trade back, you know, get a quarterback needy team like the Niners or, you know, the Washington football team if they're able to win that division and you can trade back. So give me the wins right now, whether that's two, three, four or five, I don't know. Like just give me at least two. Um, as for the comments today, man, I, I don't know. I was not a fan of them. And I think being honest with your football team is one thing, but like openly acknowledging like, Hey man, like we've kind of mailed it in. We're not going for the playoffs. Like, I just think that's kind of unacceptable for a head coach to say, and you know, you should, you as a head coach should be trying to scrape and claw to eight and eight, save your jobs, save other people's jobs, save your players' jobs. And you never know, maybe someone else goes on five. Maybe the team, the NFL adds an extra playoff spot because of COVID situations. And you just never really know. You know, we saw a seven and nine Seattle team make the playoffs because they won two out of their last four games. So um, I just think that him being honest with his players is fine, but openly acknowledging to everybody else was just kind of dumb of him. Like, like that's just asking to be roasted by the media and saying, Hey man, like we're not really fighting for the playoffs anymore. I just think it was, was just kind of a a poor statement and, and poorly executed by him. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen the chargers, you know, struggle and then try to, you know, make the playoffs like that. Uh, what was it? 2008 when they went uh four and eight and then finished year eight and eight. Uh, you know, that was also because of, uh, Kyle, uh, was it, was it Cutler or I think it was, was it Cutler or Orton? I think it was, I think it was Cutler. Yeah, it was yeah. Cutler <laughs> when Rivers, uh, trash talked him in that Christmas game. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so we've seen Chargers teams kind of, uh, scrape and claw before. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely dis- disagree with the method in terms of like, you know, uh, you know, basically telling the team that you're kind of out of the playoffs does suck. But at the same time, maybe it gets them to fight for some angle of, like, personal pride or team pride. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't know at this point, you know, what's going to happen in these last couple games. Um, so I, I just hope everyone plays their best and has fun. <laughs> point. We're all about team fun at this point. Hashtag team fun. <laughs> Um, so let's get to these Patreon questions, man. I, I think there were some, some interesting questions from our guys. And, and obviously, um, there were some about coaching and, and we'll get to that as well. Um, so master O three TGC, uh, he's been one of our Patreon supporters from day one. He said, uh, I think this is directed at me because I wrote an article about, you know, the coaching candidates already. And he said, why do you feel David tube would be a better fit than Eric B Even if Eric B doesn't call plays, and if you got if you go the tube route, who is your ideal OC? So uh, David Tube, for those who do not know, is the special teams coordinator for the Chiefs. He's been the special teams coordinator for the Chiefs ever since Andy Reid got there. And uh, I just think you know he's kind of a dark horse candidate. They interviewed him in 2017 before deciding to hire Anthony Lynn. And the Chargers special teams unit has been basically atrocious my entire life. So <laughs> you know David Tube is. <laughs> 
he's a great special teams coach. They always have good special teams unit. They're always in the top 10 in terms of cut, kick coverage, punt coverage, return men and, and are always good there. And I just think that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to invest in a coach who could fix the special teams problem. There's another question about special teams later on, but uh, I'm just really intrigued by maybe, you know, going that route. Uh, Joe judge in new in New York is a special teams guru. That's kind of working out in, well in their favor. So uh, I just think David tube is kind of a dark horse route. Uh, as for Eric B um, I'll let you give your thoughts here, Alex on Eric B and cause both of us are kind of on the same page that neither of us really think that it's a good fit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, if you asked me like on Sunday before I like kind of started researching this stuff, I would have been like, yeah, sure. I'd be fine with Eric being me. Now I'm a little bit out on him. I don't know. I, I definitely think there's an argument that he's partially responsible for the chiefs, uh, you know, offense, but you know, he, he became offensive coordinator in 2018, which coincides with, uh, well, Andy <laughs> Reid and also, you know, Patrick Mahomes MVP season. Uh, so, I mean, those right. two factors, you know, if, if I think it may be a different conversation if he was the offensive coordinator since, you know, Alex Smith. But, you know, he was a running backs coach. Right. Um, so I think it might be a different conversation if he was that guy. But he doesn't call the plays. Uh, he was benefited by, you know, Mahomes and Reed. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of the office space line of, uh, what is it exactly that you do here um, right. <laughs> to some extent? Yeah. Um, you know, would I be mad if the chargers gave him an interview? No. Um, I, I'd be curious to see, you know, kind of what he has as a coaching candidate, but he's been getting interviews for the last couple of years and just hasn't been performing, I guess, particularly well in the interviews and people are skeptical themselves about, you know, you know, what, what is it that you do for the chiefs? If, you know, you have Reed and Mahomes and, you know, can you do that with a team that's rebuilding? Can you do that with a team that needs a little bit help on offense? Right. It's all about that. Yeah. It's definitely gonna be interesting. There was a report today that, um, you know, has said and implied that, you know, he might be tied to, um, I forget his first name, Dorsey, the old Chiefs GM who then went to the Browns, that those two might be tied to the hip for whoever uh, hires Dorsey. Uh, would He would be basically bringing Eric Bieniemy with him. So I don't know, man. I, I just don't think that it's going to happen. I, you know, there are some legal questions about Eric Bieniemy's past from his days in college and, and as a young coach. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of needs to form their own opinion on that situation. Um, it definitely is not great. I just think from a football standpoint, we've seen Eric Bieniemy be offensive coordinator twice in his life. Once was at the University of Colorado, and it was not good. It was <laughs> those offensive teams at Colorado were, you know, among the worst in the country. And then we've seen him go to the Kansas City where, you know, he's basically in the perfect situation. Eric, or Eric. Andy Reid is the perfect head coach for a guy like him who can mold him and teach him. And Eric Bieniemy, he calls plays occasionally from what I've heard, like at most, you know, most of the time it's, is Andy Reid's call. And then, like you said, he's got Patrick Mahomes. He's got Travis Kelsey. He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got, you know, a great offensive line and he's got a relatively good defense. So he's just kind of in the perfect situation right now. And that just kind of makes me skeptical. And that's really my doubts concerning Eric Bieniemy. So let's get to the next question from Jake Skahan. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm sorry. 
Uh, he said, so it is starting to feel like Shane Steichen might be toast too with Anthony Lynn and Gus Bradley. I went to Oregon and I know Herbert had way too many head coaches while he was there. I don't want this to turn into a Marcus Mariota round two, who basically had a new coach every year and offensive coordinator in the NFL. Basically, continuity is crucial. Would Steichen be secure if Herbert continues to put up NFL rookie record numbers the rest of the season? Uh, what are your thoughts on Shane Steichen's long-term future here? Uh, I don't. I don't think Herbert's, you know, rookie record would matter. Um, if, if that was the case, then Anthony Lynn's job would be in the clear, right? I mean, uh, if that was a big factor, I think the reality is, yeah. if you're hiring another coach, um, which we expect them to be, we don't know that for sure. But if they are hiring another coach, I, I just think it's unlikely that Steichen will be back. Now, I mean, we've seen coordinators be kept, right? When Josh McDaniels ba- uh, bailed on Indianapolis, Matt Eberflus was kept because he had already signed the contract. Uh, we've seen uh, yeah. Kellen Moore in <clears throat> Dallas, who was kept over as a holdover from uh, Jason Garrett's staff. So, I mean, we've seen guys that have been uh, holdovers uh, in coaching staffs, and sometimes it works. But I just think if you are hiring a coach, especially if you're hiring a new general manager and a new coach, you're just kind of hamstringing him to some extent by not allowing him to choose those guys. Now, you know, if, if you know the potential coach decides to interview Steichen and likes him, then I, I think it could work out um, yeah. for sure. But I just don't think it would be very likely. Um, but depends on who the coach is. Um, depends on what kind of decisions he wants to make pep hamilton is kind of in that in that bag too where it's like well maybe you know he could be back but you know we don't really know if he'll be one of the guys of whoever you know the new coaching staff would want so i think continuity is important but i also think to some extent it might be better to cut the cord now than do it in like a couple years so i don't know hopefully herbert will only need uh, one more offensive coordinator for the next couple of years until that guy gets promoted uh, you know, somewhere else. So hopefully that's the case. Um, I don't think it would be Steichen if Lynn was fired, uh, but maybe there's a possibility if, if, you know, say if Lynn was fired, but Telesco is still GM and Telesco has a report with uh, Bradley or Steichen that he might tell, you know, whoever is the new coach, hey, you know, interview this guy and see what you like, right? Uh, so that's possible. Yeah. I don't think it would be very likely, though. I agree. I think it's definitely possible. I just, uh, you know, if you fire Lynn, I feel like the coordinators usually go to. I could I could definitely see Pep Hamilton staying on, you know, whether that's offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach. I think that kind of would be the smart decision for the incoming coach is keeping – at least some kind of continuity for Justin Herbert. Um, I just think Shane Steichen's been, I know it's his technically for his first year of calling plays. I just think he's been way too inconsistent and whether that is Anthony Lynn's influence on him or not, I just, it's a lack of creativity. It's a, you know, overall inconsistency in terms of, you know, being a smart play caller. So I just, I think cut the cord from all three, move on. Next question from Luke. Uh, he says, do you guys honestly believe the Chargers will win a Super Bowl in the next 10, 20, 50 years? Simply feels like a losing organization, like they just have to get lucky with talent to carry them <laughs> to that spot. I think eventually, you know, teams do get lucky. I, I, I'm not saying that that's going to be the case, but, 
you know, I think with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa and Austin Eckler kind of locked up for, for a long term, if they can get the coaching hire right, I think they definitely could win a Super Bowl in the next few years. And, you know, I think with the way that the NFL is trending, I think Justin Herbert is kind of the perfect quarterback in, in this modern era of football. And so um, I don't necessarily buy that this is an organizational problem. And the good thing is that with the move to Los Angeles, there's a lot more urgency to win and become relevant and, and really go for things. And I think that was part of the reason why, you know, they decided to move on from Philip Philip Rivers and go the rookie quarterback route because they knew that they had to go for it in the, in this next few years. So, you know, we've, we've seen that with the signings of Brian Balaga, Chris Harris, Trey Turner. And I think that kind of is going to continue. I think that this move brought a sense of urgency to the team. And I think, I think yes, they'll they'll win in in the Super Bowl before I turn forty. I'll say that. <laughs> um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know. So as far as the question, of the next 10, 20, 50 years, you know. Um, listen, the the Eagles won a Super Bowl in the most cursed city in America. Uh, so you know, can anything happen? I mean, yeah. I mean, anything could really happen if you think about it. Um. So I, I think part of it is also just like, I don't know if I believe that there are like loser franchises and winning franchises to some extent, like all of it to some extent is luck. I mean, you know, how are, how do we yeah. talk about the Chiefs if Jimmy Garoppolo completes one deep pass, you know, in the, in the legacy of Andy Reid and right. the legacy of Mahomes? I mean, right. how do we talk about the Chargers if Philip Rivers doesn't tear his ACL and Gates and LT can't play in the championship game? All right, so there's a lot of, you know, ifs in football, and, you know, I, I just think the Chargers have been kind of unlucky. The, <laughs> the Marlon McCree fumble or, you know, any of these uh, events that have happened in the last 20 years or so. Uh, you know, but the Chargers, I mean, they've they've been, I think, kind of a winning organization to the extent of like they're always you know kind of uh in contention you know to go to the playoffs or you know they they've never been a team that's like uh that feels like entering the year like they're a lions or they're you know what the browns used to be uh where it's like that yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a four and twelve team from the jump now they might go four and twelve or five and eleven but the, there's usually an interesting path there uh, like say a quarterback getting snapped, <laughs> right. you know, in the lung or something. Um, but, um, I don't know. So I think the chargers are set up pretty well. I, I wrote my, you know, Thanksgiving piece of like what the chargers had to be thankful for. And it's like, you do have Justin Herbert, you have cap space next year. Uh, you have the most draft picks they've had in like 15, 16 years, uh, to work with, um, you know, you obviously have Joey Bosa and Keenan Allen locked up for four or five years uh, each. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's really it. You know, you have the building blocks there. So do I feel confident over the next half a decade, decade that they'll be in contention? Sure. Uh, and, you know, you can always kind of uh, you can sort of worm your way in the Super Bowl if you consistently make the playoffs. I mean, you know, look at the, you know, eight and eight giants or whatever they were that year that they beat the Patriots. Right. Um, so as long as you get to the dance, you know, you have a chance. So, uh, I think that the chargers, um, will be in contention, uh, over the next five or 10 years. And we'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, you know, I, 
I wouldn't have told you that, you know, Nick Foles would be the quarterback after the starter tears his ACL and they would have somehow won the Super Bowl uh, in Philly. So, you know, things happen and, you know, it's a lot of it is luck. And I I think that some of that luck eventually will go the Chargers way, uh, hopefully. (laughs) Um, And, you know, hopefully we could have a Super Bowl parade filled with mostly Raiders fans. <laughs> you know, I I do think it's funny. Like, there is this notion, like that. I'll, I'll I'll get all these tweets from the podcast account. It's like, well, the Chargers are cursed. And it's like, well, I mean, you could even yeah. look at the Raiders. Like, I know that they won a lot in the seventies, but the Raiders have one playoff berth since <laughs> yeah. two thousand two. Like, it can always be yeah. worse, you guys. And you know, you look at the Jaguars, who oh. have outside of two thousand seventeen, they've picked in the top ten in the draft every freaking year. <laughs> or the Lions, who you know they're like. They have two Owen. They basically had two Owen sixteen seasons. So like, it, there there are worse situations to be as a fan. And yeah, I do have some confidence in the next few years. I really do. I think as long as they get the coaching hire right, we'll get to some coaches that we do not want. <laughs> but as long as they get this next coaching hire right, I think they're in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, everyone so, kind of thinks um, that they're the worst situation, right? And uh, yeah, right. <laughs> if, if your team is losing right now, uh, you know, I have. Patriots fans who, you know, complain about, oh, this year sucks. It's like, shut up. You won six Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I just think a lot of the NFL is about luck and, and things breaking your way, maybe more than any other sport, right? It's not quite as like, you know, y- you know who like the three or four NBA teams who are competing for the title are, you know, heading into the season. Like, it's not quite that way in football, right? There's always a surprise team or there's always, you know, an upset playoff team that might get in there. So uh, I think that's just the interesting thing about the sport. So hopefully the Chargers will be uh, in that conversation over the next couple of years. Yeah, and I think they will be. So we'll move on to the next question from Simon Uribe. He said, do you guys think that Spanos slash Telesco will go for a big name market to shake up, to shake up Los Angeles, whether that be GM and he says, Daniel Jeremiah, Lewis Riddick or head coach, urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley. Or do you think that they'll go with a high upside young coach, someone like Joe Brady or go someone with experience, but not a huge name like Jack Del Rio. Um, we'll definitely mention Jack, Jack Del Rio in a second. Um, but I, I don't think that they're going to go a young route, and I don't think that they're going to go a splashy route. I think it's going to be kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, I just don't think that you know the Chargers would kind of make the same, I don't want to say mistake because we don't know, but you know Anthony Lynn was a relatively young coach, inexperienced coach who had only been a coordinator for a year. I just don't see them going that route again. So I think it's going to be kind of somewhere in the middle. As for GM... I honestly don't know enough about GM candidates. I I, I don't think that Daniel Jeremiah is is taking no. over Tom Telesco's job. Um, I I probably feel like Tom Telesco stays on this year, helps hire the next coach, and then if things don't get better, then they'll move on from Telesco after that. Yeah, and Urban Meyer is splashy in the sense of you drank too much sparkling wine and then vomited it all out. Uh, I think that's how Urban Meyer is splashy in a sense. Um, But, I mean, I think it just really depends on who the candidate is. I mean, the Chargers haven't had a real track record of, like, guys that they like to hire. Um, I mean, Marty Schottenheimer was, like, the oldest person in the world. 
So was Norv Turner. <laughs> then they went kind of yeah. young with Mike McCoy, and they went even younger with Anthony Lynn. So I don't, I don't know if there's really like a track record um, in terms of guys they like and don't like. Um, I, I just think it just depends on who the candidate is and if they like them. Um, also, the interview is like a big part of it, right? Because Anthony Lynn wouldn't appear to have been like a major candidate in in coaching searches, maybe in 2017, but. You know, the interview can definitely sway people and sway owners and general managers to, you know, think twice about things. So, you know, that's how uh, a lot of coaches got jobs. Maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. Right. So, um, you know, and it's part of why we talked about Eric Bieniemy earlier. You know, there's you know, he hasn't done particularly well in interviews. Right. But other coaches have. So it, it just depends on uh, really, I think, who the coach is. I don't think the Chargers have like a type. But, you know, we'll see if, if they do decide to fire Lynn. Um, it, it also will depend if they keep Telesco, right? If Telesco is kept, then, you know, he'll have a certain kind of qualities that he's looking for in a coach. If Telesco is not kept, then, you know, who knows who the new GM is going to be at that point that will then hire the coach. So um, really depends on all of those factors. But I, I don't. I don't think they would go for Urban Meyer or Daniel Jeremiah or like just like that big name uh, for the purposes of going for the big name. Um, I don't think they're afraid to spend money, like people say, when it comes to coaches. Uh, I, I, yeah. I think they, you know, would go for whatever guy they like. Plus, I mean, NFL coaching is not like super lucrative unless you're like John Gruden. I mean, these guys get paid, but it's not like you know. Uh, Urban Meyer, you know, or John Harbaugh at Michigan, like, yeah. you know, the, those salaries. So everyone kind of gets paid the same as a coach to some extent, uh, unless you're like Bill Belichick. So, uh, you know, I, I just think at some point it's just going to come down to who do they like, who does well in the interviews and stuff like that. I don't think there's a specific type. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, you know, I obviously am a big fan of Urban Meyer. He kind of launched, you know, the successful football program at University of Utah. So I'm a big fan of him. I just don't think he's I don't think he's going to get back into coaching unless it's like, you know, uh, a clear like upgrade over what he had at, at Ohio State. And I don't know really where that is. So, I mean, he's had a ton of health issues. He's retired and unretired from football like seven times. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley is another splashy name. Like you mentioned, you know, the college coaches just make so much more money than they do in the NFL. So if you're going after a Lincoln Riley or even Harbaugh, I think you're probably looking at like a super expensive contract. And I just don't know, like if that's, I don't know if that's feasible. So we'll move on to the next question. Eric White asks, how many games would the Chargers have won over the last few seasons if they had a top tier special teams unit? Well, I know for a fact they would have been a, a playoff team in 2017, and they probably would be a playoff team this year. Um, I, I don't know about playoff team this year. That's kind of iffy, but um, they definitely would have won against New Orleans. They probably would have won you know, easily against the Jets and the Jaguars, opposed to making it close. Um, it definitely helps. You know, 2017 was even worse than this year, I feel like, but uh, I think that the wins would have been you know, maybe two more in 2017, maybe three more this year. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that if you make it, I think the question was like top 10, top 20. I don't know if that really makes a difference because the Chargers yeah. are like 30. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> any improvement. The Chargers are literally 32nd yeah, right now. <laughs> any, any improvement is improvement. 
to some extent. I think if they really had like a Justin Tucker type kicker and maybe you had like a, a you know better than average punter, um, I could see you know probably maybe two, three, four is probably pushing it, but I could see that many more wins this year from what they have now. Uh, definitely the Saints game, yeah. as you mentioned, maybe the Broncos game, uh, or you know some of those other very close kind of one point games. Um, the big thing this year is just like they don't have a kicker in which they're confident in making a field goal over 35 yards, and that's just such a detriment to the special teams and how many points you're putting yeah. on the board. So uh, I think that's the real issue right now. So I, I would say maybe in 2017, like you said, they go 11 and five instead of nine and seven. 2018, yeah. uh, maybe they go, they would finish five and 11. Maybe they would go seven and nine, eight and eight instead. Um, and then probably this year they would be, mm, I don't know. I guess four and five. Yeah, I guess five and six, uh, or maybe they would be six and five. I, I think that that's fair. Um, I, I think getting better special teams would definitely get them uh, into these games where they feel confident taking a field goal instead of necessarily having to go for it all the time. So I, I think that would be a big help. And flipping field position has been such a big issue too this season uh, more than any other in, in recent memory. And we, we saw it against the bills where every time the bills started over their own 30 yard line, it felt like, so um, I, I think that that's a big part of it too. Um, I, I don't know if, you know, they would have won that bills game, but if, you know, they put the bills in their own field position and made them fight out, you know, the way the secondary is playing, maybe that game goes differently. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, they would have won definitely more games. <laughs> definitely more. <laughs> yeah, definitely more. Um, so the last question on here is from Tyson Westfall, who is a new uh, Patreon supporter. So shout out to him. Uh, he said, who would be your top candidates for defensive coordinator position, assuming they get rid of Gus Bradley? Uh, and again, he asked about Shane Steichen. So we'll focus on the defensive coordinator position. Um, you know, we've talked about Chris Richard, uh, a lot, I think, especially if they hire Robert Salah, who we'll get to in a second. Um, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, um, you know, getting a guy like him who has a strong track record with developing young pieces, whether that's secondary or linebackers, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned him earlier, Gerard Mayo, the linebackers coach in new England has been getting a lot of buzz. Uh, and also I think Ron Miles. I think that makes a lot of sense for just, you know, keeping uh, someone familiar with this staff and with this team. Um, and I could definitely see, you know, the players kind of fighting for Milas. You know, we know how close he is with Chris Harris and how big of a role that played with bringing him here. Um, so I think those three, uh, you know, I don't know a ton about defensive coordinators. I've been kind of focusing on the head coaches, but I think those three would be good options. I'll throw in another one. What about Marvin Lewis? Uh, I think he would be an interesting name. He's at Arizona State as a special assistant on the payroll uh, right now. But um, he's been looking to get back in the NFL. And, you know, you're not obviously no one's hiring him as a head coach right now. But, you know, he was a really great defensive coordinator before yeah. he became head coach. Um, I just think that might be kind of an interesting situation. And, you know, there were pretty good defensive players that developed in Cincinnati uh, in his time there. So I'd be curious to see. Uh, if he would kind of, you know, get back into the NFL coaching arena. So, you know, obviously the name Marvin Lewis is 
mired in mediocrity, yeah. but uh, I'd be curious to see him as a defensive coordinator um, in addition to the guys you mentioned. That is an interesting one. And I think if they do hire a young, younger coach, I think that would make a lot of sense. And I know people like kind of make fun of him, but they were in the playoffs like all the freaking time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I would be okay with that one as well. So let's get to kind of the hot topic now, which is head coaches. And, and you know, we're at an hour and five minutes. So, uh, you know, you guys got a long episode today. It's, it is what it is. Um, so let's start with some com- with some coaches that we are out on. Um, so f- I'll, I'll start this one off, and Albert Breer kind of brought this up again today. I want zero part of Josh McDaniels, oh, like zero. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, appar- Albert Breer reported that there is, like, apparently mutual interest, which I don't know. I don't know where that's coming from. I, he's the only person that's brought that up. But, you know, he was not good in Denver at all as a head coach. He, you know, he's been kind of riding the coattails of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in New England. And honestly, like the way that he handled the situation in Indianapolis really just left a sour taste in my mouth. You know, you know, that he signed the contract. And then, you know, after all the coaching hires were made, then he backed out. And I know it all worked out for Indianapolis. You know, Frank Reich is a great coach. But that really could have tanked the Colts franchise. Like that really could have set them back a few years. And, you know, they just got lucky that they, they hit the nail on the head with Frank Reich. So I want zero part of Josh McDaniels. I think his offense would be a terrible fit for, for Justin Herbert. It would be a waste of talent. And I just don't want any part of Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I don't either. And I had him on my, I don't like list as well. Um, it's just not a, a very good fit, like you mentioned. I don't think the Patriots' offense has been very good since like 2017, um, which was yeah. Brady's MVP year, where Wentz should have won it. And I'll keep bringing that up till I die. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, yeah, no, I definitely think that McDaniel's has just been overrated for a while. I, I view him as kind of a Patricia, where it's just like you know he he's been yeah. at Bill Belichick's side and. So much of what that offense does is really Bill. Um, You know, I made the joke about Steve Belichick earlier, but that's really how I feel about Josh McDaniels (laughs) to some extent. Um, You know, would I, you know, completely hate the move if he was brought here? Yes, I would. Uh, (laughs) I was trying to set that up for like, like like maybe I wouldn't hate this, but actually I really would. Um, I, the, the Colts thing, like you mentioned too, is just like backing out of the job and then Aberflus is stuck there, uh, signing this contract for <laughs> a coach he didn't really agree to play for. Uh, and, and he's made the best of that, uh, you know, to his ability so far and he'll be a coaching candidate too. Yeah. Um, but it, it's for just, sure. he, it was such a dick move the way he finished that out. It was. Um, very kind of backstabby. Um, so I honestly don't want any part of him because I don't think he's a particularly good coach and he's just kind of a snake. All right. So who are your other two that, uh, you do not want a part of? Uh, Urban Meyer. <laughs> we mentioned him earlier <laughs> in the show. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just very against college coach lifers, kind of like Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, like, I just yeah. don't see those guys um, making the move up. I think it's different if you get someone like Matt Rule, who's like a very young coach that only coached in college for a few years, and then you make him move up uh, and kind of integrate him into the NFL game like the the Panthers have done. 
I think it's different if you're talking about that, but I, I just don't like the college football lifers, you know, kind of adapting to the NFL and how to control the locker room while also, you know, trying to kind of figure out NFL offenses and defenses on the fly when you've been coaching college for 20 years, um, you know, especially with, you know, how the Big Ten's been playing recently, uh, which is not great. Right. <laughs> so... Uh, plus you bring up the medical issues, which is just like, that's not great, you know, for like a NFL franchise to bring in a coach who's going to be coaching for the first time and have all the stresses of that with those set health issues. Um, not a big fan of that. Plus some of the scandals at Ohio state and Florida, uh, I, I would just be out on urban Meyer personally. And I, I know people want him as like a big splash name that everybody knows, I just don't think it would be worth the time. Uh, the other one that I have is a guy that a lot of people like, but uh, I have Greg Roman on my uh, uh, I don't like list. Uh, yeah. I, I think my thing is just I've been very disappointed this year by just how you know cold that offense got when Lamar showed a little bit of regression, and they, you know the injuries have been very bad, right? Yeah. The offensive line, but it's like you got to figure out how to do things differently if you know, the the running game isn't quite what it used to be because, like, running games change in the NFL all the time. And they go, you know, they go up and down. Offensive lines change all the time. So, you know, him doing it with that Ravens team last year was impressive. But the fact that he wasn't able to put back, you know, back-to-back kind of successive offensive campaigns like that, it's a little disappointing to me. Um, I, you know, wouldn't hate it if he was the coach like I would if it was Josh McDaniels or Urban Meyer. Um, I think there's definitely ways he could kind of improve the team and move it forward. But I, I'm just out on him in terms of being like an offensive mind like a lot of people thought he was just because every time I watch the Ravens this season, they honestly seem like more sluggish than the Chargers on offense. Um, and I and I watched the Chargers yeah. this weekend. So uh, yeah. I, I did I didn't watch the Wednesday afternoon football. Uh, I I assume that that was kind of a dud for the Ravens offensively because they had Trace McSorley and Robert Griffin. Um, but uh, I I just haven't been that impressed by either Roman or even uh, Wink Martindale this year. I just think it's been a poor year for the Ravens uh, on both sides of the ball compared to what they should have been. Absolutely. I think that's spot on. And I think a lot of people who are like into Greg Roman, especially for the charters, like forgot that Greg Roman got fired and they promoted Anthony Lynn in his place in Buffalo. So um, definitely not really someone that I think is like a creative, you know, modern NFL coach. So I definitely get that one. Um, My two ones, I'll start with Byron Lefwich. I, I'm very skeptical about that whole situation. I just don't feel like like he he's had Tom Brady and Carson Palmer and there was the mess with Josh Rosen, you know, as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And honestly, like the Bruce Arians system is just not something that I want for Justin Herbert. I think it's a system that, you know, it, it creates a lot of explosive plays. Sure. But it also creates a lot of freaking turnovers. And I don't want Justin Herbert to come to become this turnover machine, which is what you know, that system has, has really become, you know, whether that's Andrew Luck who had his career high in turnovers under Bruce Arians or big Ben Roethlisberger or Carson Palmer or Tom Brady, like anyone that plays in the Bruce Arians system turns the ball over a freaking time. I don't want that for Justin Herbert. 
Jameis had freaking he almost had 50 interceptions <laughs> last year. It's just like I don't I want zero part of that Arians offense, man. And so I'm out on that. And everyone knows this. I'm out on Jim Harbaugh. I just think he's kind of a dick. And I think he's really an overrated head coach. You know, everybody kind of talks about his reputation with quarterbacks. And, like, Alex Smith was always really talented. It was just a matter of, like, having continuity. And he got better after he left Harbaugh. Like, it's not like Jim Harbaugh, you know, did a Ryan Tannehill 180 on his career. Like, he was okay before that. And then he got better after he left. And Colin Kaepernick has fizzled out. Like, it's just... You know, it is what it is. And then at Michigan, he's had five-star quarterbacks who have done nothing. And so I'm out on Jim Harbaugh because he, I think he's overrated and he's kind of a dick. And it, everybody <laughs> complains about Anthony Lynn's press conferences. Just wait until you hear a Jim Harbaugh press conference, man. Like <laughs> that guy is just, he's an asshole. Like he really is. And I, I don't want him, I don't want him anywhere near Justin Herbert. And I don't want him anywhere near Los Angeles, period. Stephen feels the way about Jim Harbaugh that I do about Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> if i was a michigan fan maybe i would feel differently but i'm you know uh i'm not so uh let's get to the good coaches man and i think the first one for me you know the number one guy on my list is arthur smith um arthur smith is the offensive coordinator for the tennessee titans and you know i didn't know this but looking into him his dad is the founder of fedex like he he could have you know taken an easy billionaire route in his life and instead, he decided to ground, grind it out as a football coach. Like, it's just wild to me. Um, but the number one thing for Smith's candidacy is what he's done for Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Like, people kind of failed to to mention that Derrick Henry was was not all that great until last year. And, and Smith has really turned that offense around. They're, like, top five in the league in red zone percentage. They're, they're, they average more yards per play than almost anyone in the league. They're explosive. They're efficient. And, you know, he, he's got a nice track record of developing guys and having career seasons. And I think that, you know, I think his offensive acumen would really lend well. He runs the Shanahan system, which is a great fit for Justin Herbert and his skill set and his mobility. And as an added bonus, which I think this is, is kind of something that's slept on, he, he's been learning from Mike Vrabel in situational football. Mike Vrabel is arguably the best coach in situational football. And so, that's been a huge weakness for the Chargers over the last four years because of Anthony Lynn. And, and so Anth- so Arthur Smith is my number one choice. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like Arthur Smith a lot. Um, if he was the coach, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't complain. Um, he's done wonders with that Titans offense compared to where it was uh, a couple of years ago. where It was like they were just kind of a borderline 8-8 eight and eight team with, you know, Mariota. Um, so that was kind of a tough offense to watch sometimes, but I mean, there, there's just been an offensive revolution there. That's kind of undeniable. Um, I'll say my number one guy is an unconventional one. Uh, my number one guy is going to be Jack Del Rio. Um, I think that he, Whoa, yeah, he's okay. actually my number one. Uh, I mean, people will point to his Raiders and Jags 10 years that didn't great go so well. Um, but he got to the Raiders to the playoffs the first time in like yeah. whatever it was, 15 years. Um, you know, it was a, you know, kind of great moment for that uh, franchise. Uh, and if Derek Carr doesn't get hurt, you know, maybe he would have found a, found his way to a Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, there's definitely things like that yeah. that, um, happened. And, you know, then there was kind of an underwhelming season. Um, they went six and 10 or seven and nine, I think that last year, but, you know, Mark Davis also wanted John Gruden the entire time. 
So, you know, yeah. it, it was kind of a tough position for Del Rio. But, um, you know, now he's the uh, Washington Decentralized Football Organization's uh, defensive coordinator. <laughs> and I think he's done a really great job. Uh, that defense is, you know, one of the best in the NFC. Um, it's why they're in a position to win that division, uh, even with kind of like maybe a, a revolving door at quarterback before they settled on Alex Smith, um, you know. So I, I just really think he's done a really great job in developing Chase Young, developing all of the guys on that defense. Uh, he p- plays Ronald Darby at corner and somehow doesn't get burned all the time. It's <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Uh, but, I mean, it's just been a really good year uh, for that defense. Uh, one of the best defensive lines in the league. Uh one of the kind of underrated linebacker groups, I think. Uh, so I, I think Del Rio would be an interesting fit. Uh, we talk about Anthony Lynn in situational football, right? You know, he was kind of hired without that veteran experience. So maybe bringing in a veteran coach solves a lot of those problems. Uh, also a veteran coach who, who knows how to put together a staff, uh, who doesn't have kind of those, you know, time, you know, burning timeouts or making these kind of wacky decisions in situational football. I think Del Rio is an experienced guy, and I think this would easily be the best opportunity uh, that he's had uh, on a football team. Uh, just a- as the coach, walking into this situation uh, would be significantly better than anything he had really in Jacksonville uh, or when he was in Oakland. So I-, I think that this would be a really great hire. I know people aren't sold on it because you know he was a retread, but. I mean, we've seen retreads work out before. Um, his, his his head coach is, you know, a retread um, um, for when he was in Carolina. And yeah. He was with the Chargers uh, and Riverboat Ron. And uh, he's done really well, uh, I think, in uh, Washington this year. So, you know, I think Jack Del Rio is personally my number one coaching candidate with the veteran experience, with his defensive edge. Uh, and just, you know, him walking into this situation, I think would be really great because he is a veteran and, uh, you know, he's, he's really just, uh, I think a fresh change from Anthony Lynn in the sense of he kind of knows what he's doing. And, uh, I think that that's really what the chargers need. The chargers to me don't need a sexy offensive coordinator to go out and get like people want with like a enemy or maybe a Joe Brady, who I'll mention a little bit later. Um, but I, I think that Del Rio would be what the Chargers need in terms of uh, a guy who can develop guys to get to the next level and uh, also just, you know, uh, play situational football pretty well. I think that's a really interesting call, Alex. I really do. And and I don't hate it. And I think, I think you are right in a sense that the Chargers don't need someone to come in and like change everything. They just need someone to more like elevate it. So I think that's a really interesting call. Um, and that's kind of why I went with my second choice here, and that's Robert Salah. Now, there are rumors that he's already got eyes for the Detroit job because that's where he's from. Um, but I, I just think, like, you know, you come and take out Anthony Lynn, who's kind of, you've got an older philosophy, you know, he, he's more old school. And basically, you replace him with a younger, new school version of himself because he comes in with the same overall philosophy of being conservative on on defense you know they run the same scheme although it's a little different they do blitz a lot more than the chargers do under gus bradley um but overall i just really like his fire i like his juice i like the energy that he brings and most importantly you know the niners have had a ton of freaking injuries this year 
And they're still a top 10 defense. Like they don't have Nick Bosa. Richard Sherman has been in and out of the lineup. Their only consistently available players have been Fred Warner, who's been fantastic. And he was a fifth round pick, by the way. So they developed him. <laughs> and then Jason Verrett, man, like Jason Verrett has been their healthiest player all year. Like, so I'm a big fan of what Robert Salah brings in, in terms of an energy and a culture and, and, and really kind of, like you said with Jack DeRio, like really elevating things. And as I mentioned with Arthur Smith, if he brings with him you know, either the run game coordinator, Mike McDaniel, or passing coordinator in Mike LaFleur, uh, I think, you know, getting Herbert into a Shanahan system would do wonders for him, keep his keep him clean, keep him efficient. Uh, so I'm really into Robert Salah. I just I don't know if it's going to happen. Like I said, we're already hearing that he's got eyes for Detroit, um, but I think he's number two on my list. Is Mike LaFleur uh, Matt LaFleur's brother or something like that? Okay. Yeah, he, I think I think it's his older brother, ah, actually. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see Robert Salah. Uh, I think he's got a lot of defensive acumen, uh, as you said, kind of brings that juice. Uh, you know, I, I think that he, I mean, that Niners defense has just been outstanding this year, especially with all of the injuries that they've had to go through with Bosa. Um, and just, it feels like everyone on that team is even more hurt than the Chargers are. Um, it, yeah, it's, yeah, are. it's, and to, you know, hold the Rams to 17 points and, uh, you know, now they're a homeless football team and they're probably going to find a way to win more <laughs> games <laughs> defensively than the Chargers will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think Salah would be a good hire. Um, I don't know why someone of sound mind would take the Detroit job over this one, but um, <laughs> I, I think that that's a bit more of a rebuild man. situation there as opposed to kind of a retool. Um, but, you know, if he likes yeah. Detroit, then, uh, you know, go there, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would like Detroit instead of Los Angeles. But, yeah, uh, you know, it's crazy because, like, they've had all these injuries, even at the quarterback position, and they might still make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, it's it's wild over there. Um, so who's your number three? Wait, did you give your no, second No, I don't one? think I gave my second one yet. Okay. Um, right. Let's go. So, yeah, two. my number two is Joe Brady. Uh, I think he's a really smart, uh, obviously he comes from L- LSU, then he went to the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers have just been better on offense this year, um, and people will say, well, they're only two points better statistically and all that. Uh, but, I mean, consider that he's been playing with a hurt Teddy Bridgewater for most of the year. They didn't have CL- uh, CMC for almost all of this year. Uh, so that's been a big uh, detriment to the offense, but he keeps finding ways to get these wins. <laughs> and he played with PJ Walker two weeks ago, and they won a game twenty to nothing. Um, you know, so he keeps finding ways to uh, just keep impressing me, uh, honestly. And I think sooner rather than later, he's going to be a kind of inventive head coach uh, like a Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so I, I think he's kind of in in that vein. Uh, I really like his ingenuity. Uh, so I, I'd be curious yeah. to see what he brings to uh, a, a you know potential coaching staff here. Now, obviously, he's he's one of those where it's like if you hire him as the coach, maybe you get an older defensive coordinator or older offensive coordinator uh, to kind of help him out, like maybe yeah. the Rams did with uh, Sean McVay and Wade Phillips back in that time. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see what the Chargers would do in terms of coordinators if they hired him. But I think he's a, a really great guy who uh, can kind of 
take that next step uh, quicker than people uh, anticipate. And maybe he won't get that job this year, but I think he's someone that the Chargers should definitely give a look. Uh, and my last one is going to be someone that I never thought I would ever say in my life uh, is Brian Schottenheimer. Um, I would never say that name really before this year. Wow. Uh, Seattle's uh, offensive kind of, uh, I mean, prior to this season, Seattle's offensive game was kind of rough. Um, you know, Schottenheimer was also not great with the Jets. Uh, but this year they've really turned it into a let Russ cook philosophy. They've also also had those uh, kind of running backs. Uh, and I think that that's something that uh, merges really well with Justin Herbert, right? Uh, if you have a quarterback who we know is the future and we know, you know, the team will go as far as he does, right? You want someone to maximize his abilities. And I think that's what he's done with Russ this year uh, to get Russ to a point in which he's probably the closest to an MVP trophy he's ever been. Um, you know, even though Rogers and Mahomes have vaulted him a little bit, but uh, this is definitely Russ's, yeah. I, I think his best career year so far. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, what Schottenheimer has done as offensive coordinator and, and kind of opening the game up a little bit. So uh, I wouldn't have <laughs> ever expected to say that, but I think he might be in a way the uh, right fit. Uh, for a team that has a young quarterback uh, and weapons uh, that's looking to kind of get to the next step. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And of course, you know, obviously there's the Schottenheimer connection and I've had a few people ask me about him and, you know, I knew that you were kind of looking into him. I just, uh, you know, I've been a little hesitant because, you know, Pete Carroll and Anthony Lynn are so similar in terms of offensive philosophy, but um, they have turned it around. So, so I think that's a good one. Um, my last one is going to be kind of a wild card one. And I was kind of up in the air a bit, a little bit here. Um, you know, I thought about Joe Brady for a second, um, but I really kind of wanted to mix it up. And so I'm going to go with my third one as Matt Campbell, um, the head coach at Iowa state. I just, I love what he's done. And I don't think people really understand how hard it is to win football games at Toledo and Iowa state. <laughs> and he's won, he won nine games. He won nine games, three times at Toledo and he's got Iowa State on the verge of their first conference championship in over 100 years of football. <laughs> and so I, I don't think that people really understand, like, how good he is. And, you know, he reportedly flirted with the NFL last year, didn't really find an opportunity that he liked, I guess. Uh, I think he made the right decision to go back for, to Iowa State for another year. And I just think that, again, in terms of, like, picturing what this guy could do with Justin Herbert, you know, Brock Purdy bless his soul is not even anywhere close (laughs) to the athlete that Justin Herbert is. Um, You know, and and you look at what he's done for David Montgomery and Brees Hall, and they do a lot of things that the chargers already do on offense in terms of outside zone and run pass options and things like that. Um, But their offense is just so efficient. They're top three in the conference this year. And he's got a great defensive reputation as well. I don't think that he would bring the same system because he runs that Big 12 3 3 5 bull crap right. <laughs> um, right now. But the Big 12 play no defense. You know, he's got the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but he does have he does have the best defense in the conference right now. And they, they gave Oklahoma everything they can handle on defense. Um, but mostly, I just think. You know, right now the Chargers have this mentality of playing not to lose. And, and Matt Campbell has shown that he can take something like that and really elevate it. And, you know, we've been saying that same kind of thing. Like, we want someone that can come in and really just kind of 
shred that culture to the ground and, and really elevate this team to the point, you know, they're really a head coach away. They really are. I, I genuinely believe that from being a Super Bowl contending team. And so the idea of Matt Campbell coming in and, and bringing that uh, young college coach mentality, similar to Matt Rule, I think is very, very intriguing to me. And I think offensively, defensively, I think he's got the right spots. I think his offense would fit great for Justin Herbert. And I'm just a big fan of his. You know, I think Matt Campbell uh, would be one of those college coaches that is actually uh, a good idea. Um, I I think that if you get him into the NFL now, uh, he can kind of develop into that system. And I definitely think he could maximize uh, what we get from Justin Herbert uh, in addition to some of the other coaches that we mentioned on this list. So I'd be really curious to see, you know, how he does. Uh, And, um, yeah, I guess we'll see how the coaching search goes uh, now. Now, what would be funny is if the Chargers, if we did this hour and a half episode just for the Chargers not to fire Anthony Lynn, which is probably going to happen. I know, know, man. Uh, I just, I felt like all the way up until this past Sunday that they were going to keep him. But I just think that that, performance against the bills was so so bad and everybody in the media was talking about how bad it was and i think you know i think it would be a very poor business decision for them to bring back anthony lynn at this point right because i i I just don't know if i could get excited about you know an anthony led team and anthony lynn led team next year again and I, i i feel like most people would feel that way and so i think that they have to absolutely have to move on from Anthony Lynn. And I just think, you know, the, the window of Super Bowl contending is starts. It, it has started and they have to get this coaching hire, right. And, and Anthony Lynn's just not the man for the job. I, 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 I don't think that anymore at all. No. Yeah. I totally agree. The Buffalo performance was pretty bad. And, you know, the, the lead collapses over the course of the season. Um, just the team You're not right. playing as well in the second half as they did in the first, you know, Maybe that's excusable for a couple of games, but for there to be a trend line um, where the team is just so significantly worse in the second half, um, I think that that's something that falls on coaching at the end of the day, um, you know, as opposed to the players saying gas. I mean, <laughs> these are professional athletes. Right. right. So, you know, I definitely think the play calling has a lot to do with that. And I think really the nail in the coffin is going to be that they're probably going to go own six in the division again for the second time in a year or second time in a row. So, you know, coaches don't get, you don't get to go own six in the division two years in a row and keep your job. Yeah. Um, So I I just, I think it's time for them to move on. And um, I wrote an article about my top six. So I included other ones, Alex, I think you're, you're going to do that for the bowl. Yeah. I'm going to be doing my, uh, it's not necessarily my top five coaches, but just kind of my review of five coaching candidates and sort of whether I like them or not. So, uh, yeah, I'll be posting that up on bowl probably, uh, probably tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. So mine's over at, uh, the LAFB network. Uh, I have already tweeted it make sure and keep an eye out for Alex's. Um, this has been fun. It's uh, it was a lot longer. Alex and I were talking beforehand about not doing an hour and a half episode, but <laughs> it is what it is, man. And, and, uh, you know, 90 minutes of me and Alex talking football, I mean, you know, it's just been a, been a fun day, you know, reviewing some, some stuff. And, and I think, I think the future is bright for this team. I really do just got to get the coach right. Right. 
So, all right, guys, that'll do it for us today. Make sure and stay tuned. I, I will be posting the winner of our Christmas giveaway tomorrow. Uh, we cannot thank you guys enough for your support. We did just pass 3,000 followers on Twitter. Um, just, you know, overwhelmed with the support that we have we have gotten, and despite the losing. So it's been been a fun fun few months for us. And, uh, again, thanks for your support. And uh, we'll see you guys next time, hopefully after a Chargers win. Hopefully. See ya. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com